Hello, and welcome back to the New Club Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Considine. In this episode, we're speaking with Carrie Williams, the Executive Director of the Illinois Section for the PGA of America. I'm Carrie Williams. I'm the Executive Director of the Illinois Section PGA. Founded in 1916, the PGA of America is comprised of over 29,000 golf professionals around the country who are dedicated to teaching golf and growing the game. As the largest sports organization in the world, the PGA of America runs some of the largest PGA events you've already heard of. The PGA Championship, the Senior PGA Championship, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, and of course, the Ryder Cup. Carrie has a deep connection to the game of golf. Ever since she showed up at a junior golf clinic in her teenage years and went on to work at her local municipal golf course. Really from the age of 13, 14 years old, I started working in the pro shop at California Golf Course, which was a municipal city-owned course in Cincinnati. Now she leads the Illinois section as executive director after being in the business for nearly 20 years. Join Karen and I in our conversation about the importance of the PGA professional, how the role has evolved over the years, and Carrie's take on what we need to do to keep growing our game. And we're very uh, honored to have you be joining us today. Um, because you're joining us live from one of your events. I believe today is the Illinois PGA Players Championship uh, out at Eagle Ridge in Galena. How's the event going? It's going great. We're here at um, Eagle Ridge Resort and Spa. It's a perennial site on our tournament calendar for our year-end championship, and this will determine our player of the year coming out of the two-round event. Um, courses are in great shape, and, and we love coming out here. Um, they they treat us really well. Big steak dinner last night, welcoming the guys into town. Um, and we have a really tight player of the year points race this year. We have about three players within 150 points of one another going into this morning, and there's 600 points on the line for the win. So uh, they are they're gunning after the trophy today as well as the season long award um and it's it's a great place to be fantastic and today is that first round today is the second round yesterday we have about 65 players and yesterday Roy Biancolana was leading the field he shot five under 67 and I think there were four players at 68 right on his heels so a strong showing as far as play goes here late in the season from our Illinois section professionals now, what a, what a way to round out a successful year. I know you guys are responsible for hosting so many great events for your PGA professionals uh, throughout the season. And um, to have it culminate kind of in that FedEx Cup type points has got to be pretty cool for them. It is. And uh, we do about 60, 65 events for our section professionals. And it's it's nice. Most of our Professionals are based in the Chicagoland area. Our section does go extend as far south as Springfield, Illinois, but it's a getaway for the players at the end of a of a long season. Um, the Illinois golf season is a little bit of a sprint and not a marathon, and that most of it occurs in the the six months um, around the summer months and the shoulder months. So it's nice for them to to get away and take a deep breath towards the end of the season and to celebrate them getting through the season as well. That is fun. Um, and, and before we dive into a little bit more on your background and uh, how you got into the, the business side of golf and golf in general, um, I always like starting uh, with a little different question outside of golf. And 
It's uh, something we've done for most all of our guests. Um, but if we were having a podcast today, this is obviously a golf-focused podcast, but if it were not, and we were ta- talking about some other topic with Carrie Williams as our guest today, what, what would that topic be? Um, well, I was really glad to have this question planted ahead of time so I could give it some thoughts. So full disclosure for the listening audience, I, I did get to think about this for a few minutes. And I think <laughs> I would be um, I would be on a podcast talking about binge-worthy shows to stream this fall. Um, my husband and I, you know, try and get one episode in a night as we wind down of something. Um, and I think I would be maybe talking about season two of Ozark or the first season of Castle Rock or some of the shows that we tend to catch up on when, when we wind down every night. So I, I recognize uh, the Netflix shows, although I haven't yeah. dove into those just yet. Um, is that where you typically go for your binge watching is Netflix or do you have another medium that you like to go to? You know, we're really equal opportunity when it comes to streaming for our binge watching. So some Hulu shows, some Amazon <laughs> Prime shows, um, I can't really keep track of, of which one is on which platform, but, um, but yeah, we, uh, we watch them all. This podcast is not sponsored by anybody, so we're right. we're not right. sponsored by Netflix. But uh, no, it's it's kind of binge watch season, isn't it? Kind of when you get back, uh, everyone's done with vacations and the summertime activities and travel. Now we're back in the fall. I guess that kind of kicks off the season. I don't even think about that. It really does, and just the way they film them, I guess they seem to kind of come out in batches. So we try and and line up our order of preference and when the seasons are dropping and and. Um, I always like to not finish a season of something until we have something teed up next because I get a little itchy scratchy when I don't know what what we're going to be watching that night. So we we usually have a loop that we go through so that we know um, know what's in the queue. Um, So diving into uh, your start in the golf business, where did you get introduced to the game? So I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, and um, I really started – as a kid, um, my family had moved from one side of town to another, and my mom was looking for things for me to do, and I was about 13 years old when we moved, and she saw an ad in the local paper for a free junior golf clinic, and I hadn't really played. I'd gone to the range a few times, and I showed up at that free junior clinic, and lo and behold, I was the only kid that showed, so I got a free independent lesson from a PGA professional named Zach Fink and started taking lessons from him. And I think there was a little negotiating on the side that he and my mom were talking and he needed someone to work in his golf shop. So really from the age of 13, 14 years old, I started working in the pro shop at California Golf Course, which was a municipal city-owned course in Cincinnati. Uh, public golf course and answered the phones and rang people up for green speeds and you know, dusted the merchandise displays and I I really grew up there. I worked at California during the summer from the time I was a teenager all the way through college. My dad jokes that um, when he walked me down the aisle, he really should have walked me halfway down the aisle and, and Zach my golf pro that I worked for should have walked me the rest of the way down the aisle because I, I really grew up at the golf course. Um, and I just fell in love with 
event administration and you know, the hospitality side of golf. You know, it's a it's a privilege we have working in the golf business to be able to spend a day with people doing something that they love, doing something that they do to unwind or they do to have fun. Um, and it's it's just a great experience when you get to serve people that are coming to you for something they take pleasure in. And I really fell in love with that. And also the tournament side of golf. I liked the competition piece and the planning and preparation that goes into event administration. Um, and I went on to work for some tournament organizations before coming to the Illinois PGA. That is so cool that um, you got your start. I, I, I'm actually from Akron, Ohio, so a good bit north okay. of Cincinnati, but I uh, have friends down there and I'm somewhat familiar with some of their municipal courses. And I've heard mention of California golf course, um, which I always thought was odd. How did, how did, do you know how it got the name California golf course in Cincinnati, Ohio? I don't know. It's actually the name of a little town there along the river. So I don't know how it got its name. But how has your uh, beginnings in the game um, at a uh, you know daily fee municipal golf course? Uh, I, I'm sure you know your travels with the section, and you, you've been now to you know some some really sought after uh, exclusive mm-hmm. private clubs. But how has your origination kind of on the the daily fee municipal side? How's that impacted your job and what you do? Well, I think I, I think first and foremost, it's it's um, enabled me to kind of speak the language of our PGA professionals. Like I said, I was I was really raised by a group of the pros, the guys that work in the shop, and um, we were in it together, day in and day out, and you know answering questions and and dealing with the customer that might be having a bad day. Um, and seeing all sorts of golfers from the, the avid elite level player to just the beginner. Um, so just just in the storytelling, being able to share experiences with the professionals, um, because people are just people. Whether you're at a municipal course or you're at a private club, um, you're going to have you're going to have every walk of life represented. So. I, I really feel like just being behind the counter was something that I can share with the section professionals. Um, and I, I guess not getting too caught up in elite golf, understanding the need and the importance of the game of golf for every man, because that's really where the game of golf should be growing, needs to be growing. Um, we need more players and more sustainability at the grassroots daily fee level, I would argue, than we need at the the high-end private club level. You know, we need um, avid players will become avid players. We need to backfill the game with um, those that, that take up golf on a lark, and we need to keep them coming back. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, the PGA pros are so crucial in that. I, uh, You had the good fortune of, of growing up with them, uh, obviously very influential in your life. Um, I had that same good fortune uh, with different PGA professionals as family friends and uh, a few that became mentors. Uh, for our audience, though, that maybe didn't grow up with, with uh, PGA professionals around, maybe describe for us uh, the core job responsibilities that they have day in and day out. 
Sure. So um, there are 29,000 PGA professionals across the country that uh, serve as the experts in the business in the game of golf. These are the club professionals that when you go to your local course and want to sign up for a lesson or a clinic, they'll be teaching. Um, they will be buying the merchandise for the golf shops. They will be running the junior golf programs. They will be your rules expert when you go out on the course and you need a ruling. Um, so they really wear the hat as the administrator of the game. Um, they're also expert business people. PGA members go to school, take classwork for between six and 10 years, depending on the speed that they go through the program um, to learn how to operate a golf shop, operate a business, um, manage, manage rounds, market their facilities, um, you know, be successful business people. So they really wear all hats at the golf club. Um, there are 24 classifications of PGA members. So you see PGA professionals that are anything from a sales rep, maybe, um, selling a Titleist or a Callaway club to being the general manager at a facility and running all operations across the golf shop, uh, the grounds and the food and beverage operations. How have you seen the, the role of the, the PGA professional evolve over time? Um, you know, you mentioned uh, the, the gambit of roles that they could potentially fill in the golf industry. I, I would imagine uh, 10, 15 years ago, it probably wasn't as diverse. What, what would you attribute that to? What, what do you think um, the evolution has looked like? There's certainly been a trend towards a PGA professional having more of a management role at the facility. Um, I think I think 50 years ago, uh, there was a lot more playing golf with the members or with the regulars um, and work in the shop as far as merchandising and buying. I think those are really the primary roles in teaching. So playing, teaching, and merchandising, um, I think partially is a result of the education that the PGA of America started providing these professionals from a business acumen perspective. I think the club started taking them up on that. Um, and I think that as um, clubs, you know, are in a position that, you know, they're, they're working businesses. I think as the owners and board members of facilities uh, started to be a little more bottom line driven, it was important that it was the professionals that were running the reports and um, keeping their eye on the overall business operation. Now, I think that there's a little bit of a um, pendulum swing back to professionals really getting out from behind the desk and, and getting them to encouraging them to play golf again. Uh, it is such a big part of what a PGA professional does. Uh, they have to pass a playing ability test to show that, you know, they can carry the game and play the game well. And, you know, one of the things that, that a pro can do better than anyone else is, is to play and to teach and to entertain via that vehicle of golf. And as we are trying to promote the game and promote more people playing the game, it's important that those professionals are playing the game so that we can follow their lead. 
um, a lot of times, I don't know if you do this, Matt, but I can do this. A lot of times people get apologetic about playing golf. Um, how many rounds did you play? You might, you might undershoot that number. You might take the under because you don't want it to sound like you're away from the office or away from your desk for these long periods of time. Uh, and there's a little bit of a movement to get PGA professionals and, and everyone bragging about how much golf they play again. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see that that movement towards us being excited to talk about the amount of golf we're playing instead of being embarrassed about talking about how much golf we're playing. I, I think that is so cool that you, you share that with us and promote that with your uh... Uh, your community. I mean, it's, it's something that we've talked a lot about as well. Um, and you know, there's, there's so many good aspects of, uh, connection and, um, what a way to spend your leisure time, you know, in the outdoors, supporting uh, a local business or your private club and, uh, being a, a part of a community, interacting with others and getting some exercise, let's face it, you know, you're outside moving. Um, that we, we've tried to kind of reposition that question as well, because you do see people kind of hide from the rounds that they, uh, that they play, which, uh, you know, there's a balance to everything, but, but I, I've, I've kind of felt that same movement happen and I think it's great. And you mentioned obviously getting the PGA professional out there playing you guys, how many events do you guys put on each year? on about 65 tournaments for our professionals um, and some amateur events. Most of them are one-day stroke play competitions. Um, some of them are team events where the professional would invite, let's say, their club president or their club um, women's club champion. We have our, our pro women's club champion coming up next week. Um, and then our major championships like this one, we run a match play championship for our PGA members. Uh, an overall section championship, which serves as a qualifier to the national PGA professional championship, which in turn is a qualifier for the PGA championship. Um, so that's a big event on our calendar. And we administer the Illinois Open, which is the um, state championship of Illinois golf. On top of that, um, we have our junior programming that we administer, PGA Junior League events and drive, chip, and putt events. Those are both you know, very strong programs and brands under the PGA of America umbrella. What other factors do you think, I, you know, having the PGA professionals out there playing in tournaments? I know I follow, I'm a, a recent member about three years ago. I joined Beverly Country Club here in, in Chicago and I, I love following our professionals and when they play on Mondays, mm -hmm. you know, you're sitting at your desk and you're thinking about your weekend round, but you want to support them too. What, what other reasons do you think it's so important that they play? I, I understand that they, um, you know, leading the way, being, uh, showing us to get out there and play. That's, that's uh, very important. Are there other factors that you think are so crucial for why you guys put on that number of, of tournaments each year? Ultimately, you know, we are a member service organization and it's important for the professionals to get together um, just for the camaraderie and the, um, you know, the comparative storytelling that they can do. You know, we, we all in our various lines of work engage in some sort of best practices communication, whether, you know, you're working in IT and going to a seminar on best practices, 
um, or you're a golf professional, you can do that best practices work in a tournament environment. Um, a lot of it is really just about getting these 850 PGA members, um, some small groups of them together in one common place at one common time. Um, this is a, it's a fraternal organization, you know, to have that camaraderie, um, to have that sense of competition because, you know, that's there. Um, but also to be able to be a support system for one another and to learn from one another. You know, those tournaments, I, I have a, a, an appreciation now for what it takes to put on a successful tournament. You know, I've helped out with outings in the past, but now running a golf society, you know, all the back end little details that need to come together for a successful tournament. Um, what you have a very deep background in tournament operations. What does it take uh, in your mind to put on a great event for players? Um, I call, I have called what I do, you know, being in the, in the wedding planning business for golf. So you're, you're absolutely right. Um, the devil's in the details. And I think that uh, anticipation is the most needed uh, characteristic or, you know, the ability to anticipate things that might come up, the ability to kind of walk through a, a stretch or a scenario of activities and anticipate what questions could come into play from participants or what issues could come up. It's really being able to douse fires before they even start. Um, and I think being able to put yourself in the shoes of those that are going to participate in, in whatever activity that you are putting on. Um, and, and the other side of it is just that hospitality piece is wanting people to be comfortable, to um, be able to sit back and relax and uh, leave it all to the experts, leave it all to the administrators. I think being able to anticipate problems that can come up and, and really just being able to, to take care of people are the two main things that go into running a successful event. It's funny you bring up comfort. I was talking to uh, one of our members who is uh, very new to competitive golf. And uh, we were talking, you know, what does it take to really be successful in a, in a tournament? Um, and comfort was kind of the word that we came back to that you just, you got to find comfort somehow. And, uh, you know, if it's him in particular, is he's new to tournament golf so it's going to be uncomfortable until it's until it's not after some experience and you add on maybe showing up at a a new course or a new club and there's some other discomfort what what have you found from a tournament operations staff standpoint or uh what, what are some things you guys can kind of do to to create that comfort whether it be a a new person to tournament golf or someone who's been playing for decades that's a good question. I first want to address the comfort from a playing perspective. I think you really hit the nail on the head. And I think that I think that um, people that are successful tournament players get comfortable winning. Um, so, you know, from a junior golf and on perspective, I think it's important to uh, figure out how to be that big fish in a small pond before you can be the big fish in the big pond. Um, you have to get comfortable winning at a, at a lower level or succeeding anyway, uh, you know, to top tenning or top fiving or top threeing, succeeding at, at some measure um, in a smaller group. And then that's how you build comfort. We, we build comfort on everything with repetition. You build habits and it almost makes winning become a habit that you're comfortable with. Um, as far as from an operational point of view, um, 
you know, I think that I, I think that we try to make our members or participants feel like they're coming to a party in our home. You know, um, anything that that they need is is taken care of, whether it's having sunscreen and bug spray on the first tee, make sure no one gets a sunburn or gets too many mosquito bites. Um, to having reading glasses at the scorer's table, which we do for some of our senior players so that they can slip those on and uh, see the fine print of their scores before they sign their scorecard. Um, I think that I think that taking care of the little things um, really, really lets the members then focus on their games. Um, and we stay out of their way when it comes to that. They're on their own once they're out there. The little things. I'm I'm writing those down. Mosquito spray, sunscreen, <laughs> reading glasses. Yes, yeah, <laughs> very important. The <laughs> senior events, the reading glasses are very important. I love when the uh, starter has uh, an array of sharpies. So I kind of mix up the the dots on the ball every time yeah. I see a a new sharpie sitting out there trying to change up the color. Hopefully, it yields more birdies. Yes, you definitely have to have multiple colors of sharpies in those starters boxes. <laughs> And kind of, kind of uh, rounding out on the the PGA profession, you know, you listed so many res- responsibilities that they have. Um, what would you say is one or two of the most important aspects as it relates to uh, the growth of the game? I think teaching um, far and away is um, is what leads that list for growth of the game. Um, being able to you know, impart the basics um, of swing, or I'm sorry, of grip and stance, um, you know, getting people comfortable over the golf ball, just a starting point. Golf is a hard game. Um, golf is very difficult. It's an individual sport. Um, you know, you, you're you're on your own. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of moving, moving body parts. You've got this, this club swinging around and just being able to set players up for success, I think is, is so, so important. Um, I would encourage anyone who is playing golf at, at any level to go see a PGA professional and either help let them help you get started or give you a tune-up. Um, I think that, I think it's just critical that, um, you know, as much information and, access to, to information that is out there we can't be our own doctors um you know if i if I, I i liken it to going to the doctor when i go to my pga professional you know if i tweak something in my knee yeah i'm going to go to webmd and i'm going to see if i can figure out on my own what it is but i'm going to go to a doctor and i'm going to let them give me the final verdict or the final diagnosis and I think being able to go to someone who's an expert and who can communicate to me what my diagnosis is um, and what my, you know, what my physical therapy is going to be for my knee or my golf swing in this case, I think that that is, is so important that we have someone that can streamline the wealth of information that's out there about um, succeeding at the game and narrowing it down to you know, the few swing thoughts that we might need to get around the golf course um, and to make it fun because the better you play, the more fun you're going to have. The enjoyment of the game comes with, you know, some modicum of success with the game. So pros can make you better. And when you're better, you have more fun. I I like your uh, WebMD 
comparison there. That's definitely something we see a lot of people do. I was, you know, watching this clip of Tiger or Rory McIlroy yesterday, and it's like, well, you know, that's kind of hard for you to interpret for your swing when it's uh, probably not exactly like Rory swings it. But uh, but that's why PJ professionals. I mean, I just am always amazed at their their patience and um, th- their ability to teach. You know, teaching is a difficult skill, and I think a lot of the best PJ professionals are so good at, at relaying those messages and just helping you digest what's actually going on. Absolutely. Cause we can't all apply what, um, you know, what Tiger's working on this week, you know, certainly worked for him to get him to his first, his first win in recent history, whatever he was working on, but that might not be what I need to work on. Um, so I like to go to someone else for them to tell me what I need to work on. And we're not immune to it. I, I find myself every time I'll, I'll watch, you know, Sunday golf and whoever ends up winning, I'll, I'll go out the next week and start thinking about how, you know, Dustin Johnson drives a golf ball or how Justin Thomas was putting. And I find myself trying these things. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> this isn't how Matt Cotsign hits a golf shot. You just go play your game. And I always come back exactly. to what there's almost always three main things that I come back to. And they were all told to me by PGA professional at some point. Yes, we um, we all need our own swing thoughts. Nobody else's. Um, I, I think you know when you talk about the role of teaching and what it plays for the growth of the game. Probably a good transition into uh, junior golf because you were uh, the executive director of the Illinois P- Junior Golf Association for mm-hmm. uh, quite a while. You know what are maybe start us off with what are the differences between running events for juniors and running events for adults? Well, I think that. Um... Well, the first, maybe the real answer to your question is parents. Um, the, uh, the, big, the big difference in <laughs> running course. junior events is that you're dealing with the juniors and you're dealing with the parents. And, you know, I am a parent, so I, I'm saying that um, out of the side of my mouth, but I know that I can be that parent too because we all want to advocate for our, for our kids. Um, so, the you know, running events for juniors, it's so rewarding because you have those teachable moments uh, throughout tournament play that you can, you know, you can give a ruling that that kid will go back to for the rest of their life. Like golf is a lifelong sport and, you know, they get a, a ruling on a obscure situation when they're 12 years old. They'll always know the answer to that ruling going forward. Um, so being able to, to teach kids, being able to kind of shepherd them through the game, seeing them grow up with one another. It's fantastic. I, I'm, I'm thrilled. We just hired as a full-time staff member, um, a young woman named Dana Gatone who came up playing the IJGA. I've known her since she was about 12 years old and seeing her grow up into a position where she's now working for our, our staff. That's just a it's just a fun byproduct of what we were able to do with the Illinois Junior Golf Association. Um, but definitely having, you know, parents weigh in to make suggestions or, um, you know, try and fight for their kids one way or the other. There was certainly an added element there um, in in working with working with the the spectators that came along with the junior golfers. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Parents in all sports, though. That's certainly not limited to just golf, I'm sure. Uh, Exactly. For our new parents, and we do have actually a good portion of our membership, which is kind of in the mid-30s, early 40s, uh, late 20s bracket. There's a lot of new parents. Mm -hmm. 
Um, what are some of the opportunities they can get their, their children involved once they get to the right age? Um, what, what are some of the opportunities they can uh, put their, their kids into uh, with the Illinois PGA? I think that, um, you know, first and foremost, stick with something that's local. If you are not a member at a private club, I think getting your junior involved in a, in a group lesson, group clinic format um, at your local park district, your local municipality, that's going to give them a great, a great entrance into the game they'll be around other kids but you know one of the one of the most successful programs i think anyone has ever seen in the game of golf is pga junior league and it is a great opportunity to get kids involved in the game it's modeled after little league baseball where every kid is guaranteed um, two innings to play in a little league baseball game pga junior league is golf as a team sport for kids and they um, they team up teams of 10 or 12 kids they play nine holes they play a scramble format so they're teeing off and going to the best shot amongst the players and and playing in from there um, they're able to give each other advice um, they can play just three holes six holes or all nine holes of the nine hole match and it is it is so much fun being able to see kids engage in the game together in a team format. It takes some of the pressure off of an individual sport. Um, it chops the game up into a little bit more of a bite-sized piece. And that's something that as the game evolves, um, at some point I'm sure we're going to talk about the future of the game. And, you know, when, when you talk about a top golf, when you talk about some of the more cutting edge opportunities in golf, it's about, it's about the amount of time spent um, and what you're getting out of that time and, and cutting the game up into a more bite-sized chunk for kids makes makes so much sense. Um, so PGA Junior League is is booming. Uh, there are over 30,000 kids that participated across the country this year, uh, over 2,000 kids in the state of Illinois. Uh, and it's just a, it's an amazing way for kids to participate in the game. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, amazing what you guys have done with that program. I mean, I, I didn't have anything uh, remotely similar to that as a kid. It was always an individual sport. But you look at the the bonds you make with, you know, growing up in t-ball or soccer teams. I mean, mm-hmm. um, just kudos to the, the success of that program. Uh, I would actually love to see that kind of carry into, um, I know there's high school golf and college golf, but once you're done with college, they kind of the team golf starts to fall off. I'd love to see more interaction amongst uh, adults playing and more team golf. You know, it's, it's a really great way uh, to enjoy the game. It is. And I, I think you'll see that. I think that you might see some professional associations pick up on something like um, junior league, you know, another great initiative uh, that's shared between the PGA of America, the USGA and Augusta national is the drive chip and putt. Um, it's a free event that goes on across the country. We had about 2,000 kids participate in Illinois qualifiers this year, and this is the one that um, kids go through qualifying at the local, regional, and national level to end up at Augusta National the Sunday before the Masters to try their hands at, at those three skills, drive, chip, and putt. Um, and that's something that we've seen success in in the adult ranks 
we started just this past year a women's team skills challenge. So we basically brought the drive, chip, and putt to a group of ladies' teams, uh, and they got to team up and go through these skills for prizes. And we just did it as a fun event with our players' championship these last couple of days. We did a skills challenge for the pros, um, and it was a team event. So I think I think golf um, being played in that team environment uh, is getting increasingly popular. And I think, again, that bite-sized piece of golf, it doesn't have to be 18 holes of stroke play where you count them all up. Um, golf can be just going to the range or going to a top golf or engaging in a skills competition. Um, it can be a lot of things. Yeah, those those are uh, so so important for for the game, um, and and you brought up the the uh, programs like that that are uh, focused on female participation. You know, one one mm-hmm. question I had down here f- uh, for you because it it really stems from my own personal experiences. I had so many female friends uh, growing up in the game of golf uh, along with me as a junior, but as I've gotten older, um, not as many of them as a you know, percentage to uh, male counterparts have really stuck with the game. So a lot of those mm-hmm. female juniors, and, and you still see a lot of stats that they are the fastest growing segment in golf and and represent um, probably the largest opportunity for growth in golf. Uh, but but what do you what do you think as a, as a leader in the golf community, as a female in the golf community, what do you think needs to happen to keep those female golfers? Um, keeping golf as part of their life, you know, beyond once you get into out of college and into the workforce, uh, what, what do you think needs to happen for them to, to f- always remain a part of it or feel a part of it? Golf is so social for women. Um, and it's really about having someone to play with. So I think, um, I think not all of this falls on golf. I think some of it falls on us as women to, um, to embrace, golf and to not compartmentalize it. Um, I think that, I think that golf ticks a lot of boxes. It's, it's exercise, it's friendship, it's fun. Um, and women have very, we've got a lot on our plates, Matt. And um, I know that, you know, if I try and work out in a day and play golf, that's, that's a lot on my plate. But if I can count golf as that workout, um, which it is, I'm okay. Or if I'm going to do book club and I'm going to do golf on the same day, that's two commitments. But I could get a group of girls together and we could read a book and then we could go play golf and we could talk about it. Um, So I think that um, women need to embrace embrace the game as a social and physical uh, exercise, no pun intended, um, and to, you know, to enjoy everything that that golf brings. I think um, golf just stretches across so many, so many um, great life characteristics and life qualities. Um, And we just need to, we just need to gang up and and get groups of women out there playing and enjoy kind of the social and fun aspect that the game brings. And it's no dissimilar, I guess, than what I've, how, in, in my own life, how I've started to treat the game, you know, it used to be a competitive outlet for me. Um, but it's, it's much more so what you just described where I like to, uh, play with friends, socialize, meet new people. Um, and, and that's kind of, 
because I can't play as good as I used to. <laughs> so <laughs> I might as well enjoy it. So I think that uh, there's probably some comparisons ag- across all the different you know groups who are interested in the game. I also think that, you know, with, with all of the popular activity that's booming in junior golf, I think more women are picking up the game as part of family golf. And I think that's fantastic. You know, my, I have two sons, one 17 and one is seven. And my thing with my seven year old boy is, is golf. That's our shared connection. We go hit golf balls together. We'll go play uh, Annettsburger, the little par three in Northbrook. We'll go play nine holes, the two of us, and it's become our thing. And I think that um, I think it can become a thing with moms, um, moms and kids or husbands and wives uh, as a part of women taking up golf to engage in a sport with their families. So I think um, I think we're seeing more and more women pick up the game as, as part of family golf. And we ladies need to find the other moms in our core groups that play golf and, and go out just as us girls every once in a while. And I think we've already kind of transitioned the conversation to the future of the game. So this kind of rolls right into the last thing I wanted to chat with you about, which was really just, um, you know, where you see the game going. And and if you were to uh, look in your crystal ball 10 years from now, like what, what, what things do you think are really going to be drastically different in the game of golf, if anything? I think that golf is is starting to redefine itself, and and I heard the perfect analogy. I have to I have to give the kudos to Pete Pavacqua, who's the former CEO of the PGA of America. He's since gone on to to work for NBC Sports, but um, I heard Pete speak, and he was talking about the game of golf and its definition and how the game needs to redefine itself a little bit. And here was the analogy he used. You know, Matt, if you and I go out and we play a one-on-one pickup game of basketball, we're going to say we play basketball. And we could be on a playground where there's no lines drawn and there are no referees and it's not five-on-five and there's no shot clock, and we're going to call that basketball. And unfortunately, in golf right now, um, those bite-sized chunks that I've been talking about, not, not every golfer defines those as golf there are still a lot of golf purists that say you've got to play all 18 you've got to count them all up and you've got to post your score at the end and I think that the game is changing and the definition of the game is changing and I think it needs to I think the game is moving in the right direction to allow itself to be more flexible to be um, an evening with your friends having craft beers and appetizers at Top Golf while you play a target game. Um, it can be just going to the putting green and practicing with your family and kids. It can be playing the family tees at your local course. It can be um, going to a facility in Chicago that lets you pay by the hole and you only have 45 minutes and you go play three holes and call it a day. Um, that's, that's the change that's coming. Um, and it's something that is needed. It's something that I think is going to make more people embrace golf. You know, it's a significant time commitment. And if you live in a city like Chicago and you have to add on traffic to get to and from your round of golf, um, it can take up a good chunk of your day. So I think that, um, allowing the definition of golf to become more flexible is the way that golf is going. And I think that operators and players are seeing the opportunity and allowing it to be more flexible. 
Um, and I think, I think all the right things are happening. We have a saying in our golf society, because we have so many uh, members who live downtown, that uh, if you want to play golf in Chicago, you really got to want it because you got that window of, of good weather and you, you have a lot of traffic that's going to take a little more time. But what some of the things you just outlined on uh, that also constitute golf, you know, I think we, you're, you're right. So many people might uh, not accept that as, as being golf interaction, but those are golfers, you know, they're picking up clubs. Um, if you hit a ball around a park with no flags, I, that's still golf, you know? And I think yeah. uh, the more of that, the better. And, and I always, I always look at golf as there's so many layers. That's one thing I, I really love about the game is um, you can never stop learning. Uh, and, and once you figure out one aspect of it, you, you kind of dive into another rabbit hole and there's a whole nother realm for you to, uh, to keep your interest. Um, because like we were talking about with the, uh, the playing portion of it, it's not a game that can be mastered. So you know, who cares where you start if it's hitting in a park or going to top golf or all, all the other things that you've, you've laid out there. Um, I think it's all good. I think it all can be uh, complementary to, you know, the full 18 hole golf course. Mm -hmm. And, and like I said, I think, I think it's getting the operators to um, start embracing different golf opportunities. And you're seeing that more and more with, with facilities getting more uh, creative with programming, whether it's, you know, golf and then a craft beer tasting or combining golf and bringing a food truck in, um, you know, golf and something. I think that, you know, a little bit less golf and adding on another activity is becoming popular um, from programmers throughout the Chicagoland area you know, understanding what people are, you know, maybe commuting or getting in their cars to go to a facility and they might want just more than one activity once they get there. Um, so I think that, I think that operators are starting to provide a little bit more robust programming um, other than just you come in and you pay for your green fee in your cart um, and, you, and you go through all of the the regular steps. Well, well, thanks for sharing some of that. Uh, the future of the game. I, I, I feel like that's always a portion that um, for our guests that we have on, I'm so interested in, you know, you're so close to all these um, aspects of the game locally and you're part of the PGA of America nationally that I think it's just so great to get your perspective on it. Uh, before I jump to our last piece here, our last little fun segment I wanted to do with you. Um, I'm going to ask two questions on the near future because we got the Ryder Cup this weekend, which mm -hmm. is a uh, tournament run by the PGA of America. So my first one is, who do you like? Who do you like in the Ryder Cup? I like Europe Team or, USA. or U.S.? Who, who's taking I like control? Team USA. They're going to win the first time in foreign soil in you know twenty something years. I um, I love Team USA. I think I think they're hungry for it. I think they're going to be well coached, um, well captained, and I just can't wait to to sit back and watch it all play out okay all right we're going with the home team usa we are. you mm -hmm. are you were concerned about dj was cross hand putting and phil's hitting the ball all over the place none of that concerns you you're you're sticking with with the home homeboys i am i am sticking with i am sticking with the home team you know i just think that i think um that some some combination of will and passion and you know, national pride and 
talent and skill, those are going to create create just the right whirlpool to, to bring the cup home. Um, I'm with you, by the way. I think I think just uh, they got a lot of good players playing well, and we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna win it for the first time in a long time over there. It'll be it'll be fun to watch. I love this. The Ryder Cup weekend's maybe the only golf weekend I'm truly glued to the television, even though uh, the Masters is pretty good. I love the Ryder Cup. So so this last part, we we've done this on the last two episodes, and it's called Inside the Leather. Um, so basically, okay. we we just say a topic. And, and you can tell us to either pick it up or putt it out. If it's pick it up, the concept is good. If it's putt it out, eh, maybe you need to see a little more before you give us that one. So first one, uh, getting your clubs fitted. Pick it up. Absolutely. That's good. Everyone should. Uh, anchor ban for amateurs on, on putters. That's a putt it out. Need a little more information on that one bifurcation is a whole nother we'll have to do a whole nother podcast matt (laughs) yeah i i had a uh, i have a father who uh made all his his bread and butter was this anchor putter uh into the sternum chest putter and when they took that away man it was it was a sad year um dogs on the golf course pick it up or put it out pick it up i think uh every superintendent should be entitled to a good course dog. Um, and the best clubs are the ones that let them in the clubhouse too. I like that. Uh, PGA championship returning to match play. I understand that it was match play back in the seventies. There's been a little bit of blog buzz about returning the PGA championship to match play, pick it up or put it out. Put it out. I'm going to need a little more information on that one. Um, the new, the new handicap system adjusting for weather. Um, that is like just right outside the leather. That is a um, put it out. I need more information, <laughs> but I like the way they're going, taking um, you know, making a level playing field out of a playing field that's ultimately not level. Yeah, you're right. That's a close one. That'll be a one that needs more a little bit more time. Um, mm-hmm. Courses w- with a rate, public fee courses with a rate that's less than nine holes. Pick it up. Absolutely. All right. We're picking that one up. We're picking that one up. Cool. Yeah. I've noticed some, some courses have started to do timed fees and even two mm-hmm. or three hole rates, uh, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Engage in the game um, as much as you can, as often as you can, and the time that you have to engage in it. Well, Carrie, that, that, that was the last one. I appreciate you humoring us there with, uh, what do you think? I kind of like it too. Absolutely. We all need a little rapid fire. <laughs> we put on the spot in our lives. Again, Carrie, thanks so much for taking this hour to chat with us. Uh, we know you're so busy with this your tournament season wrapping up and uh, all the PGA professionals. We want to wish them good luck down at Eagle Ridge. Um, enjoy the rest of the tournament. And, uh, and thanks for what you do because we couldn't do it without folks like yourself who have made it their, their passion and their uh, responsibility to do so. Yeah, thanks for having me and continued good work with your society and everything that you're uh, looking to promote and keeping people talking about and listening about the game of golf. That was Carrie Williams, Executive Director of the Illinois Section of the PGA of America. Thank you, Carrie, for your time between PGA events, your leadership, and dedication to the game.